Life is going to give you challenges, struggles. It's going to force you to face your fears. Even though these may feel like your worst enemy, in truth, these are actually your greatest allies. My name is Lance Isios. Welcome to the University of Adversity. I got my good friend, Melanie Joy, joining us today. For all of you ladies out there, who are new to following me on Instagram or the podcast, you guys are in for a treat. Melanie is an absolute powerhouse. We're going to be going into what she's up to and really some interesting topics around the heroine's journey. You guys have heard about the hero's journey, Joseph Campbell. This is, this is a different aspect coming from the women, the more feminine side. This is going to be super powerful. So I'm excited to have her on and she'll introduce herself. Well, hello. Oh, hi. <laughs> How you doing? How are you, friend? So good. So good. Yeah. So good to have you on. This is fun. Oh, I love doing these lives. Here. Thanks for doing this with me. Yes, of course. Anybody else, you guys chime in, let us know, say hello where you're coming in from. I know there's a lot of... There's a lot of new people. I've noticed a lot of new women that have been joining the my Instagram, listening to the podcast, and I've been a guest on a bunch. And I thought this was a really, really good time, Melody, to have you on because you're such a powerful force and I love you dearly. And I just think that what you're doing is just such medicine for the world. And I've told you that many times. So... I'm excited for this and to potentially get everybody to go check out your work because it's fucking awesome. And that's, you know, at the end of the day, we all have this medicine. We all have this gift. And if it's harnessed properly, if we're a good place, it can help a lot of people. And I want to really help you with that. So. Yeah, I really love that. You know, when I, I took a couple of years really just drinking this material in because like you said, when we're doing this from a place of wholeness, it's just that, you know, you're that clear channel to help others heal themselves as well. So I'm super passionate about this material. Like I said, I've just been drinking it in myself over the last, you know, even decade, but like definitely five years strong. Yeah. Not ready to serve it. You know, it's it just lights me up to the fact, to the point where I need people to reel me back in on topic because there's just so much coming out of this rich material. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. So just for a little context, you and I met probably about two years ago or two and a half years ago. We were both, we were the second year he into Aubrey Marcus's Fit for Service Fellowship. We built community. We built some amazing relationships. and. It's just been so powerful to watch that unfold with all of the different things that everybody has been creating and co-creating. And, you know, with you and what you're creating now, it's just powerful to watch. So I, I want to dive right in. I know I want to specifically, we have, normally I like to just flow with organically, but I really want to, I want to touch on specific questions. Because I want this to serve everybody at the level. Because I know we could talk all day about everything. But I want to really serve and, and give people some real perspective on this. So to kick things off, can you explain what the heroine's journey is? And I kind of spoke about the hero's journey a little bit before you jumped on. But can you kind of give us some context around hero's journey versus heroine's journey and what it is that is exactly you're working on? Yeah. So, you know, when we first met in Tulum within the Fit for Service community, we signed up for a year-long program diving into Joseph Campbell's model of the hero's, the hero's journey, which is an archetypical story arc. You see it in all the movies. You know, the hero gets the sword, slays the dragon, comes home, changed. And it's very much this outward expression journey of like a general story arc that we go over in life. So the interesting part about the heroes, the heroine's journey, I found it about a year after we met. I found it after a year study of the hero's journey. 
And it's written by a woman named Maureen Murdoch. Maureen Murdoch was an understudy of Joseph Campbell. And she came to Joseph Campbell and she said, hey, Joseph, do we need to change this story arc to represent the feminine hero's journey, the, the woman aspect of the story? And he said, absolutely not. The story arc's the same across the board. And she said, okay, I'm going to absolutely write the book. And so she did. And so this is by Maureen Murdoch. It's called The Heroine's Journey. And the way that I really like to talk about it is that it is the second half of a woman's life. <laughs> to, unfortunately, it's not the first half of the woman's life, but a second half of the woman's life. What I really found was when I went on my hero's journey in life, it was very much outward expression. It was very much uh, validation from external means. I did the corporate setting. I, I did competitive bodybuilding. I got the degrees and the certificates and everything that would tell me that I was valuable in life from an external standpoint. And what the heroine's journey is actually, it's an inward journey. It's that moment in time in a man or a woman's life, but it's the feminine essence of the journey where you say no to the external outward means of validation. You say no to the patriarchal society and you really step back and you take a moment to dive in. So now you're on this inward journey. Maureen Murdoch refers to it as the cave of your body. Joseph Campbell says the cave that you, you know, the, the cave that you don't want to enter holds the answers that you seek. And Maureen Murdoch says it's your body. The cave is your body. And, you, and, the, and your body holds the answers that you seek. It's the ancient wisdom that lives in your body. In the hero's journey, we're kind of top heavy. We stay in this analytical, masculine, you know, strategy stage of life. When we get into the heroes, the heroine's journey, we're now searching for the answers within. And what we're doing is we're reclaiming aspects of ourselves that were told weren't welcome in everyday society. And can give you some specific examples of this, like when I would show up to the corporate space, it was very much leave your emotions at the door. Well, wait a minute. Feminine's power lives in her emotional body. So if I'm leaving my emotions at the door, I'm actually, live, I'm actually leaving my most powerful asset at the door to try to fit into this corporate space. So I have studied the heroine's journey. I don't know how many times I've read this book over the last couple of years. I just got done with an eight-month program with a very valuable teacher of mine who helps tie in archetypes to the heroine's journey of rites of passage through the Vedant Mother archetype. But if that answers your question, just on the heroine's journey, I felt like when I finally said no to patriarchy, to this outward expression of validation, it's almost as if I start living a new incarnation in this lifetime. I truly feel by embarking on my hero's journey through the first half of my life and then saying no to that because I was being bled dry. I, was, I didn't have any more vitality in life. Saying no to that, I actually got to start on a whole new trajectory in the second half of my life, which is the inward the inward journey for validation of myself. Mm. It's beautiful because I haven't even really dove into that aspect either. Like thought about it that way. It's, it's so important. And yeah, I mean, that the hero's journey has been such a powerful way for me to learn and just have like a perspective of that concept, but like being able to kind of reframe it the way you are is interesting because I think a lot of people are missing that right now. It's a completely paradigm shift as far as how you're employing leadership in your own life. It's a complete right. paradigm shift, even in the collective society where we see like, okay, this masculine perpetual doing this, that is all killing us there's yeah. got a different way and there is a different way and it's called the essence of feminine leadership within the within the heroine's journey and within your own it includes things like 
your own intuitive knowing and driving the ship in your life based on aspects of the unknown versus aspects of the known, right? The analytical side of life within the hero's journey is very much the space of the known. We create the budgets and the schedules and the timelines and the facts, and we prepare ourselves to have a fruitful future, and we know and we know and we know all the things. But the problem with that is that the divine works in aspects of the unknown. And what, and what does that mean? What happens in the aspect of the unknown? Well, this is the space that miracles occur. So if you want miracles in your life to happen, you have to give space to the aspect of the unknown as well. And in this unknown spaces is where things like your gut intuition lives, right? Like you do something in life and you're like, oh man, I knew I should have went the other way. I don't know how I knew, but I just knew I should have done this other thing, but I did this thing because it made more sense, logical sense. And then what happens six months later? You're like, I should have done what my gut told me to do. And that is the heroine's journey of reigniting the fire of intuition and allowing these unknown spaces for miracles to occur in your life. It's almost like a big, huge surrender, mm. you know? Can you just elaborate, can you elaborate on masculine and feminine and some examples for people? Just because I know those terms get thrown around. And just before we go into rites of passage, like, can you just kind of explain, like, I know tapping into intuition is more feminine, but can you explain maybe things that people do that are more masculine versus feminine and like how that can, how people can, some examples that they could add in their life? Absolutely. So we're androgynous creatures. We have feminine energy and masculine energy. You, Lance, have feminine energy and you have masculine energy. So we have both. And in order to find wholeness within our vessel, the key is to balance the both. And within the, so the first thing to know is that masculine and feminine are just energies that live in our bodies, right? And we can harness both energies at the right moment for our highest alignment of whatever we're trying to execute in life. Masculine energy would be very much what we talked about earlier. It's going to be analytical. It's going to be the known. It's going to be budgets and schedules and things that make sense. It's going to be, it's going to be top heavy, right? It's where we learn discipline. It's where we implement boundaries. Masculine energy is executional. It's linear. It has an end goal in sight. So it aims to kind of like accomplish the thing, right? There's an end goal. Feminine energy is very different. The power of the feminine lives in the body, our emotional body, intuitiveness. The feminine energy is flowy. It's divine knowing, intuition. And feminine creative energy, like we talked about masculine creative energy being linear and having an end goal and a budget and a schedule and all of these logistics involved, feminine energy also exists in our body, but it's very different. It's cyclic. Feminine energy turns in on itself. There's no end goal or purpose or destination. It is creating for the sheer joy to create, to stimulate creative juices. What would that look like? For me, it looks like painting just to paint. How many of us have forgotten that it is okay to create without like some means of success attributed to it, mm -hmm. right? Just to stir creative juices. And in stirring creative juices just for the sheer joy and bliss of creating, then when we go to execute something that's completely unrelated, We've stimulated the juices of creativity and probably for our business aspects, we'll see it reflect in more of a flowy nature in that sense too. Mm. So that said, masculine and feminine energies are consistently working together. This is literally the Ingala and Pingala, that energetic system that shoots up the Shashumanati, which is a totally different conversation. This gets into yogic philosophy, but they're constantly working together. Where we get stuck is we stay in our masculine energy too long or we stay in our feminine flow too <clears throat> You know, they're meant to work together. And where we get stuck is when we get heavy on one end or the other because what are we supposed to be doing on our journey for wholeness? Finding balance and truth within. 
Yeah. So it's, it's really a balance of, sorry. Yeah. There's a, there's a course on my website. It's literally like 20 bucks. This information on masculine and feminine attributes is probably the first, like one of the first energetic languages that I started to speak. And so there is a mini course on my website. It's literally like a 40 minute video. You can watch it. I explain all of this. I explain the shadow aspect of the masculine as well as the, ba the balanced aspect of the masculine, as well as the out of balance aspect of the feminine versus what are the attributes of the balanced feminine. Um, because it's all a matter of game. It's, it's, it's all a game of, you know, Carl Jung will say, we just want to pull what's the programming that's running in our subconscious. 90% of our behavior, our reactions in life are coming from subconscious programming. And it's just a matter of pulling what's unconscious to the conscious state to be able to respond differently. As long as we're working from our subconscious behavior, we're reacting. When we start pulling our reactions, our subconscious behavior, our subconscious programming into the conscious state, well, then we can choose a life of responsivity instead of reactivity. Well said. So let's, let's touch on, first of all, what are rites of passage when it comes to this and when are rites of passage? The rites of passages, you know, it, this is really like also an ancient language because men growing up had rites of passages in historic ancient days through the tribal days. And so did women, right? This is a historic language, an ancient language as well, rites of passage. You know, for men, it was kind of like that threshold of when the boy became the man and the elder would take him out and they would have a ceremony of initiation to welcome him into manhood. Or for a woman, it was like the, the girl that started her menstrual cycle and the elder woman, you know, took her into the red tent and they had a ceremony to welcome her new power of intuitive knowing through this menstrual cycle. And these were like targeted aspects, rites of passage in, in our lineage. Rites of passage are initiatory stages of life. What does that look like today? So first of all, the original rites of passages, like what I just talked about, have been suppressed. We don't really do those anymore in society. But what happens when we don't have these ceremonies and rituals and welcoming of new stages in life is we tend to reject the new stage of life or suppress our new power, or we're told to leave our emotions at the door, or we're told that our intuition doesn't really mean a thing because there's no factual backing behind it. What happens in the loss of rites of passages over time is that we've lost our power in initiation. And we have a society of uninitiated masculine and uninitiated feminine searching for power in their own lives. And they're searching through these external means of patriarchal, you know, approval. So live in a patriarchal society. I just want to point out that the patriarchy only started 5,000 years ago. There was another way to do things. It was through matrilineal society when the feminine essence ruled the way of life. Matrilineal societies were the first social systems that communities were founded on. Before Wait, can, we, can we pause one sec? Can you explain the difference between patriotic and matri just for people that those terms may they don't know the difference i just want to like break it down can you just yeah. explain the difference between the two first yeah and i'll keep it really light because this Good. goes all the way deep into the depth of institutional institutionalized religion but five thousand years ago we had a shift in the way that society functioned and what that meant was we shifted from the feminine essence of society to a masculine essence of society. The patriarchy started 5,000 years ago, and this is what we live in today. And some of the key signs in the shift would be things like colonialism, mass consumerism, the marketing, the male lens, um, institutionalized religion, institutionalized education, like all of these institutionalized systems even like money were put into place to create a top-down dominance 
over the people. Okay. So before the patriarchy was in place, as far back as 200,000 years ago, we had matrifugal societies ran by women. Women owned societies. It had a very different essence to it. It was communal leadership, right? It was communal leadership. It wasn't top-down approach. There wasn't one man at the top collecting all your taxes and telling you how to live and telling you to get the degree and pay the bills and get the external means of success and the external means of my approval and really like, anyways, religion, (laughs) institutionalized religion. Thank you for pulling me back in. (laughs) But the matrilineal societies was really community-led and it was led by women. And it was a time when women ruled society. And I can go, I do go into the depths of this within my programming with the, with people that sign up for my programming of what matrilineal societies were, what they consisted of, what were birthed from them and, and what the benefits were, you know, but it really was communal leadership. So I'm just reading yeah. about pendulum swinging back to the women running the show and y'all are so much smarter. And this is the thing. You know, we live in the time of the nuclear family, and this is the only time that I've known. And this is the only time, you know, your mom, your mother's mother, your mother's mother, mother, all we know is the nuclear family. And the nuclear family is detrimental to our success. Like the nuclear family is a fallacy. It's false. We were meant to live in tribe. We were meant to survive and thrive in community around each other. So getting back to the feminine essence of leadership is getting back to that connection, getting back to to tribe, getting back to communal leadership for the good of all instead of just one system at the top. And so this is why I, I wholeheartedly believe that this information, that, that, that the the rites of passage, the maiden to mother archetype, the healing of the feminine is so important for us today because we are literally seeing the world is calling for a paradigm shift with the leaders today, you know, and we know what the patriarchy looks like. What we were not taught in the history books is the matriarchy. And that's why even you, you're like, hold on. What? I have no idea. This is so interesting. And it's like, and it's like, well, that's it right there. We've been kind of misled and robbed of the truth. Wow. Hundred thousand years of history that were the original social systems that communities were actually formed on. For this five thousand year blip of wow. money power over dominance. And so my question for, you know, the women my group and love bringing this question up for women is because even for you, Lance, like this wisdom exists in our body. And just a matter of, of reactivating the, like, well, it's the mother tongue. It's what it is. It's reactivating the language. Even you, I can sit here looking at your face and you're like, there's an aspect of familiarity to everything that I'm talking about right now, even though you've never heard it. Totally. No one does that. I lose if I'm hearing this stuff. That's like, that's like, a, it's because it's resonating. It's because those are truth tingles. Mm-hmm. And there's a cellular memory that's saying, oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Wow. If you guys are getting value from this, let's hear, let's get some, let's get some hearts. Let's get some comments. Or if you have any questions, Samantha was chiming in as well. Thank you, Samantha. I know that yeah. you know this very well, all of this stuff. So we've all been on this journey together. And yeah, I mean, this resonates, yeah, this resonates so deeply. Yeah, it's it's really interesting because I believe we do have that innate wisdom and that innate intelligence that goes so deep that even I talk about in my book also and it's so interesting when I hear other ways of telling it because it all, it makes so much sense. And when you brought up that intuition is discarded because it doesn't have like as much evidence or something, such bullshit because we know it true. Like we're remembering what we already know. That's what the journey is. It's the remembering. And when we say things that resonate, it's like when you say something that resonates with me, it's like, I remember that already. 
Yes. And this is why in my own work, I work with the somatic language as well. What is the somatic language, right? I'm a somatic release breathwork practitioner. I do holographic sound heal, healing. I play crystal bowls. I also work with the language, the energetic language of Sanskrit mantra. And then also just really tailored meditations towards certain archetypes in the feminine leadership paradigm. But it's so important to work with the body, to open up the body to receive this material. Because if we're just intellectually processing this material, then we have missed the entire point, right? We're getting out of the intellect, out of the spaces of the known, of the logic. And we want to open up the soma, right? So for somatic, for our somatic knowing of this material, we are just remembering, remembering rites of passage. And then we are remembering what they're going to look like in our lives today. I mean, obviously, we're not living in paleolithic lithic times when matrilineal societies exist, but we can tap into that knowledge to then try to help the paradigm shifts into the feminist essence of leadership today. It's going to look a little bit different. We're going to remember this material somatically through the ancient wisdom in our body, and then we're going to understand how to implement it in modern day society today. I don't have the answers. But I do want to have the strength to stay in the question. What does mature feminine leadership look like today? Is it, is it women in a goddess dress that are just actually more promoting the male lens? I don't think so, right? Over-sexualized femininity is the male lens. Their marketing campaigns, they're the Botox and the makeup and the da-da-da-da-da that keeps us metaphorically forever young. We're never supposed to be forever young. And if we, as women especially, try to remain forever young, we are preventing the wisdom that comes through the aging process, right? Women's power lives through the aging process. So that it's no wonder that the patriarchy wanted to concretize our lives and keep us forever young. It's preventing the wisdom from surfacing. We've got to start welcoming aging. And in welcoming aging, we're welcoming wisdom back into our bodies. And our grandmas are definitely the best. <laughs> hey, Hallie. Hallie's loving it. Good to see you here. Yeah, nice to see you, Hallie. I'm listening there too. Yeah, so I just wanted to touch on one thing you said earlier around rites of passage. And, you know, after reading King, Warrior, Magician, Lover from the male, mas- the masculine side, and you realize like, how much that's lacking in all areas for both sides, right? Well, you know I, what I mean, it's like men don't know how to be men and yeah. you know, it's on both sides. Right. Well, I actually just started reading that book again because I, I just finished a rites of passage course with my teacher, Sarah Magdalene. Shout out to, to Sarah. She's just an amazing, amazing woman of this knowledge. But I just, I just finished a course with her and I started another course and we started diving back into King Warrior, Magician, Lover. And in the very first chapter of that book, he says, the patriarchy is not only suppressing the feminine power, it is also suppressing the masculine power. And the only thing that that does is keep the world in the uninitiated man, which is boy mentality. Yeah, the other interesting thing, Lance, that I want to point out, I think you would appreciate this the most, is like the mother, the mother, right? The, the archetype of the mother. That is an energy. And if you came from a mother, you have this energy within you, right? So you don't have to be a mother to be in mother. If you came from a mother, you can cultivate mother energy within. And what is mother energy? Well, it stems down to the archetypes of queen, warrior, magician, and lover. What does that mean? It means queen, king, warrior, magician, and lover. Because we are androgynous beings and this energy lives within us all. And if we came from the void, if we are the creation of the mother, then this is where it all comes, this is where it all boils back up into the mother. So I wholeheartedly believe in a non-discriminatory fashion It's all about healing the mother within us all. And so my women's work really focuses on this mother archetype. And, but men can do this work too. 
We've just got to get past the gender bias of it all. It's an energy. And I will tell you, when we heal the mother within us all, then we will hear then we will heal the mother beneath our feet and the goddess above. The key is to lessen the dissonance between your own inner mother, the mother below your feet, and the cosmic goddess ab- above. And and this is this is the shift in the leadership paradigm. Can you speak more to above, speak to initiation? More and explain yep. what that means. Yeah. So we talked about rites of passage or initiatory stages, right? And there's some physical things that we go through that are conducive of qualifying as a rites of passage. There's these things called ish- initiatory stages in life. And often, often we don't know we're in an initiation. And so we go to our therapist or a psychologist or a doctor and we say, hey, I'm really depressed. Can you cure this for me? Can you, can you suppress and numb? Can I have a pill that brings me back to happiness? And I guess what I want to point out is that your body, this innate wisdom of your body is giving you metaphysical signs and emotional examples of like, hey, you're crossing through something in life. Something's not right. Here's your body's natural mechanism to tell you that something's not right and you just want to suppress it instead of looking at what needs to change. So instead of suppressing and repressing, we need to start welcome, welcoming these initiatory stages in life. So what do some initiations look like? Well, they can be catalyzed by a, a breakup, a divorce, a death in the family or the death of a loved one or any kind of change in relationship that even comes to occupational, right? Like I was in an initiation when I knew I was done with corporate. And how did I know I was done with corporate? Because I was depressed. I couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't find my motivation in life, right? Like I had emotional signals telling me that this thing needed to change because it was killing me inside. And what could I, I could have done was go to the doctor and say, hey, I need to keep my six-figure salary. And uh, can you give me a pill to like make it easier to go to work every day? But that's not the point. (laughs) My body was using these signals to say, hey, you're in initiation and something needs to change. And it really looks like not comfortable things. Like, I want to just for, okay, I want to just pause there because something just came to me that I think would be useful that I want to like ask you. Let's go for it. How do you know? If that's what it is, if it's an initiation or if it's just something that you need to go through to get to the next level of what you're doing. I ask this because, you know, there's times in my life where even every day where there's things that I I face that I wonder, is this telling me that it's time to do something else or is this just what I need to overcome to get to the next thing? So I was just curious as like what your thoughts are around that. Like, say you're in the corporate world and then you were like, it's time, it's time to go. You're getting these signs. But how does somebody know that that's what, like, what's the difference between the two? Do you know, do you get what I'm saying? Like sometimes you, there's a certain amount that you got to overcome, but then there's a certain amount where it's like, it's time to pivot. What I'm asking is like, when is it time to pivot or listen to that? Or when is it, when do you push through? And I was just curious as what you thought about that. Well, I think it's a place to tap into the energy of like, am I perpetually doing until I kill myself? Or can I be, which is masculine. Am I perpetually doing in my masculine energy, which gosh, I feel like this is killing me. Am I supposed to continue past this threshold and try to climb one more ladder or try to accomplish one more thing or like, Actually, is it time to pivot? Well, that's a perfect example of like, stop. Mm. He's still sinking to your intuition, your intuitive knowing. Is it societal expectations that are telling you to achieve, achieve, achieve the next thing? Or if you stopped and listened within 
I really cultivated this relationship with your intuition, with your feminine essence, I'm sure that you would know the answer, whether it's time to stop or pivot. Mm. You know, is this, an, am I looking for external means of validation? And, and am I, am I at the expense of self? You know, am I looking for external means of validation at the expense of my health? I mean, if you're not, if you're not mentally healthy, that is at expense to self. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it's such, it's such a great point. Yeah. It's such a great point because our, our society does tell us to keep pushing through, pushing through, pushing through, but at what cost long-term? And I uh -huh. guess that's the dance between figuring it out and what you're doing is tapping into more of that feminine to really listen to like, what is more beneficial for your, your soul and your being versus trying to achieve more 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 and doing things because you're told you should do things versus what you really want to do. Yeah. And why does the system want you to continue doing things, right? Like, because you, well, it's like, because you're upholding the system. So what? are you holding the assist? Are you upholding the system at the expense of your own system? We want, we need to continue to make the money so that we can t continue to buy the things so that we can continue to feed the animal, you know, the system, okay. you know? And it's like, wait, hold on guys. Like take a step back here. There is an abundant, like a limitless amount of created of creative options available to us. But we're so linear in this thinking that it has to be this one way, which is paying the system to validate our means of success so that we can continue to buy the thing so that we can continue to feed the system, right? This is the linear, this is linear thinking. It's binary. It's, it has to be this way or else death. But no, that's not actually true. There's abundance of creative options over here in the spaces of the unknown that you haven't tapped into yet. But it takes stepping back from this and pausing and then opening up to the aspects of the unknown. And I'm a very lucky place right now in my own life. So it resonates a lot because, like I said, I did climb the corporate ladder and I was stuck in these spaces of the known. And now I'm very much in this knowing of like, there's abundance of creative options out there. I'm not going to die if that doesn't, if that one thing doesn't work out. That's not the only way. That is not the only way. And it takes tenacity and it takes courage and it takes strength to stay in the question of, well, then what is the other way? And the universe will start opening up things for you. But am I calling in a miracle or am I staying with, with, with what's killing me? If staying in the known with what's killing me, then I'm, I'm definitely not giving space to the unknown where miracles occur. And into a more miraculous life. Well said. Okay, I want to go back more into like mature feminine leadership. Can you explain to, there's some new people right here. Can you elaborate more on yeah. some examples of mature feminine leadership and why? Just kind of talk to, speak to us about that. Yeah, I mean, we can even just break down the three words. Like, let's start with maturity. Ma, sure. Ma which is the Sanskrit word for mother, which is the oldest language known to man, which is an energetic language. Mature consists of the root word ma, which is mother. And then mature, nature, the natural state of the mother, mature, right? And what is, what, what is okay, so what does that look like? Well, it's the fullest bloom of the flower, right? When nature matures, it's a flower in full bloom, right? Yeah. When, I'm, when nature is not mature, what is it? Seed trying to bud. It's a seed bursting through its shell, and even that's a violent act, right? So just think about when you're bursting through these thresholds and initiations and shells of your life. To burst through the seed is a violent act. But we have to do that in order to mature, in order to come into full bloom. That making sense? Yeah, totally. So mature, mature, okay? 
And then mature feminine, that's the essence of the feminine. So what are the attributes within the feminine? It is all nurturing. It's all receiving. It's the seasonal changes of life. It is think about the earth. What it, what are the attributes of the earth? Because this is the maturest mother that we know is the earth beneath our feet. Look at how old she is. She's regenerative. She's the seasonal changes. She is birth, death, rebirth. It is chaos. Think of the seasons when they change. It's a little chaotic, but things need to die in order for the full bloom to come again later, right? Springtime, it's, you know, so feminine leadership is regenerative. It's communal, you know, it's restorative, all receiving, unconditional love. This is all feminine. And you can dive further into the feminine attributes on my website, on my course. It's called Roadmap of Masculine Feminine Attributes. Pretty hard to miss. Um, Mature. The natural state of the mother in the feminine essence and then leadership. And then leadership is the fun part because this is what we're redefining as paradigm shift. What's the leaders in the feminine essence of the natural state of the mother going to look like? What are they going to look like? Forget about look. What are they going to feel like? Because again, mature feminine leadership feels. It's not looking outward. It's feeling inward into what is right, what is intuitive. What is loving, receiving, unconditional, all-knowing leadership, communal, tribe, community-based. So for me, just breaking down the words, mature, feminine leadership. Leadership is the fun part because like, well, it's the fun part, but it's also the chaotic part because this is what we're redefining right now. We know masculine leadership. And we actually know more of like King Warrior Magician Lover, where he says the uninitiated boy leadership. But that's in his book, not mine, but I just so I'm just quoting it. <laughs> but we know what the masculine essence of leadership looks like in society today. And we are redefining what the feminine essence of leadership feels like in society today. And not even in society, but like what are we cultivating within our own life, within that paradigm of leadership? And, then, and so Deepak Chopra says that if it is the feminine essence that will take humanity to higher states of consciousness, then we can use the feminine archetypes as a roadmap to success. So now it's a matter of learning what are the feminine archetypes and yeah. how do we create those within. Can you speak to those? So I personally, there's... A ton. Archetypes, you know, archetypes is an energetic language and it's a Carl, it's Carl Jung philosophy and it taps into the collective conscious. And what does that mean? Well, anything that you've experienced in life or anything that I've experienced in life, somebody else within the, within the existence of humanity has also had that experience. And it's this experience that lives in the collective conscious. Okay. And there's wisdom in the collective conscious. And there's archetypes that live in the collective conscious that we can tap into with trying to cultivate our highest alignment in life. So archetypes are literally like king, warrior, magician, lover, queen, wild woman, huntress, mother, maiden, goddess, high priestess, priestess. They're attributes of how we can show up. Right. Okay. So. so can you break them into like, let's say, just to just so that people know what those mean? Like, let's pick four. Like, let's explain mm -hmm. king, queen, magician, warrior, lover. Like, can we explain like how those well, work or however that would work with what you're doing as far as so somebody could get like a visual understanding of what each archetype means? Yeah, but we're going to stick to maiden, minor, and pro. Okay, perfect. Okay. So maiden, mother, and crone are basically, I would want to say, rites of passages in life. Within the story arc of a woman's life, you know, first we are the maiden, and then we mature into the mother, and then we mature into the crone in a perfect world as we age, as we welcome aging. 
But what happens, and this is, this is the roadmap that I walk women through within my work, is like patriarchal society freezes the maiden. So in an organic life, the maiden matures. But what's happening is that in this conditioning of forever young that, that happens in society today for women, we've got 40-year-old maidens trying to remain forever young. That's like stuck energy in our bodies. And so through my work, by leveraging the story arc of the heroine's journey and the rites of passage within the maiden mother crone thresholds, maturing women <laughs> into mature feminine leadership, right? So the maiden stays forever young if we don't welcome aging. I see a question on your face, though. So I actually want to pause and say, what's that question on your face, Lance? <laughs> no, I'm just, this is just the funny faces that I make when I'm listening. I, I always tell people, watch me on YouTube, all the funny faces I make. Because it's just, it's not, I'm just listening. Like, I just make okay. it. So the maiden is actually a really powerful archetype, right? She's like the waxing. She's, she's springtime. She's the bud that's unfolding. She's like joyous and she's bold and she's courageous, adventurous. She's probably in her 20s, maybe 30s, maybe early 30s. It's like the seed or, two, or teen years as well. It's like the seed of creativity. The maiden's the seed of creativity. And she's in this like exploratory stage of life. She wants to try everything. She's the yes. She wants to say yes to everything. She very much is looking for the external means of validation and success. Right. Right. And when we combine that archetype with the stages of the heroine's journey called daughters of fathers, fathers represents this aspect of the patriarchy that we live in. She's very much conditioned to either be like men or to be liked by men. And this is what a lot of women grow up with in society, to, to either be like men, to wear the button-up shirt, to show up to the conference table, to do, do, do. I mean, it's a conditioning that we're all in, probably resonates with you as well, of like, okay, I'm going to show up to be like one of the guys. Yeah. I'm going to show up to be liked by the guy, you know? Of course. That's pretty much it. And so this is why it's beautiful to combine the archetypes with the heroine's journey when it comes to women. It's like she's looking for a time of new roles, new masks, new jobs, new responsibility. She's like a sponge. She seeks out, asks out. She asks out for permission. She asks out for, she asks out for approval, right? Wow. And where women get stuck in the cultural narrative to stay forever young is like, you can actually feel into this. It's like the maiden is like pretty and pleasing and polite. You know? Yeah. And in the room, she's like wanting to be seen and heard. My teacher, again, Sarah Magdalene, she'll say, in maiden, I needed the room to see me. In mother, the room feels me. Okay. Love that. Okay. Yeah. So what happens when the maiden gets stuck is that she starts cultivating these shadowy, these shadow aspects because she's supposed to mature. She's supposed to bloom. So when she gets stuck in maiden, shadowy aspects start to evolve. Insecurity, fragility, vain in the name of beauty. She's like very maybe vain, right? She starts to become helpless. She needs the world or the prince to come save her, right? Be saved. Codependency, addiction, suppression, this all lives in the maiden. She's very reactive. The mother is responsive. The maiden is reactive. So what happens if we don't mature into the mother? We're reacting in for the rest of our lives. Wow. You know, some signs of a stuck maiden could be like, fill my cup for me, right? Guys, you know, you always hear guys and girls breaking up because... He just wanted me to take care of her. And it's like, well, yeah, she was stuck in Maiden because she's been watching too many Disney movies growing up. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's such an important... I'm so glad that you're, you're doing this because <clears throat> it resonated with me so much. People get so stuck in that. They do. It's a state of victimhood, unworthiness, scarcity. Who's talking about but, that, Melanie? I've never heard anybody talk about this but you. 
Well, my teachers, for sure. My teachers, for sure. And I've got to credit my teachers because that is mature feminine leadership to credit your teachers. For sure. No. So, so we've got a little idea of maiden. What happens when she gets stuck? Would you like to just run through some attributes? Please do. Please do. Yeah. We talk about the, the mother. So the maiden is very focused on, this is one of my favorites, right? When we talk about relationships, the maiden is focused on the drama, but the mother is focused on her dharma. Maiden, drama, mother, dharma. Dharma right? meaning you're like, you're, can you explain dharma before? Sure. Your life's path to serve something bigger than yourself. Right. Okay. Maiden is serving herself. The mother is serving the world or the mother is serving herself and it's in turn serving the world. So the mother is very much like in alignment again with the earth beneath our feet, with, with the moon, with mother moon, right? She controls the tides of the sea, which is why she controls the energy of the room, right? The maiden wants to be seen. The mother is felt. She's right. She's the full moon. She's the full energy of the moon. So if we are off our own tides in life, Right. If we are off on our own tides in life, we cause ripples and riptides to everyone around us. And this is a state that we're, this is, this is a sign that we're not rooted in our mother energy because it's just ripples and tides and chaos around us. So it's like, God, is everything craziness? How am I not rooted? The mother's rooted. She's the tree. Her roots go deep. She stands and holds, right? And she holds the seasonal changes. She, and then in the seasonal changes, she lets the leaves go so they can die because she knows that birth is on the other side. She knows this process and she welcomes it. She knows when that job is killing her and she lets it go because she knows that there's something to birth on the other side. Right? So the frequency in mother carries the frequency of the entire room and she's responsibility and she's responsiveness. She's patient. She's restorative. She's rejuvenating. She's all receiving of uh, the natural state of living, not a forced state of living. She's magnetic. Everything comes to her, right? Masculine's very electric. Just think of a lightning bolt. Masculine like comes at you. That's the energy force. But the mother or the feminine in her mature state, she is magnetic. And she is pulling her dharma towards her. She is pulling the people who are meant to be in her life towards her because she's so rooted in her knowing. She's not going to settle for anything less. And the mother is slow because she's so patient. She's not going to ask for the, if I'm working on a creative project and I want it to happen now, well, that's my maiden's urgency, right? Mm. But if working on a project and I know it'll unfold with time and I'm going to be slow and patient with it. That's the mud. That's the mother frequency. So even how are you approaching your projects, right? Are you pushing them out the door and birthing them too early? And now you have this, you know, infant in an incubator. That's not, that's not necessarily like surviving or thriving because you push this creation out too early because you were urgent because you were needing just to get it out the door. There is a gestation period, and the mother knows that she has to be patient for it to birth into its own life organically. And the mother is self-sourcedness. She's inner authority. She's inner wisdom. She seeks the wisdom in her body, not the validation of those around her. Hmm. So that's a real dance, the maiden to the mother, because, uh -huh. because society, there's so much pressure on everybody. There's so much pressure to perform. Yeah. And so, at what point, and at what point do we stop saying, you know, when you say dance monkey, it's like, I'm not going to dance anymore. <laughs> like, wait a minute, you know, and it's very much like with that perpetual performance of like, I don't want to perform anymore. I want to be in my natural organic state in my self-sourcedness on my throne. Not on the throne of some other person telling me what hat to wear and how to show up. What are some things that people can just do on a daily basis? Yeah. And maybe start to 
you know, maybe work towards more of the mother. Like what can some of the, what, what, what are some things that maybe people feel like they're stuck in the maiden? Yeah. Well, this is like, you know, this work isn't necessarily for the faint of heart, but it's worth it. You know, it's so worth it. And I would, I mean, I've opened my books and I've opened my books to work with maidens to get them past the threshold into the motherhood. So I'm now taking one-on-one clients to slowly, carefully go through this material and start cultivating mother attributes in their life. Because when we learn to hold ourselves in mother, that's when we can hold the world around us in mother. And we are literally a society unmothered. Whether you had a mother or you didn't, whether you had a mother and she was great to you or not, your mother, your mother's mother, your mother's mother's mother all grew up in this masculine society. We've all been a part of this programming. We don't know where we're veiled. And so the essence of understanding the mature feminine leadership is literally starting ground up and rewriting the script. It's a remembering from that wisdom of our ancestors and then a rewriting of our script and looking at our own mothers and looking at society and really understanding what mother attributes feel like in our own body on an individual basis. So my books are open. I'm taking five women for May in a 12-week program. And in my mother essence, I'm just waiting to magnetize the women to me that are ready to do this work. I'm not going to come at you with this work. You know. (laughs) Well, I don't think there's a better leader at this or any of this stuff that we've been talking about than you, Melanie. Like, honestly, like, all of you that have tuned in or if you're just tuning in now, make sure you watch this replay. We'll post it on my feed. I'll figure out how to post it on Mel's too because I forget how to, like, well, I'm working on getting a new VA right now, so I'll have to figure that out. But um, I I just, for any, so where I was going to that, anybody that hasn't watched this full thing, make sure to watch it because we covered a lot. And Melanie, you're such a force at being able to deliver these very important topics in a way that like really lands. Like when you speak about things, it's like, well, and it's like, it's such a message that people need. And I think there, I don't think there's a better person for what we're talking about to teach and to mentor than you. So I highly recommend you guys go check out Melanie's website or work. You got a book coming out, coming out as well, right? You got so much, yeah, so much happening. My book is on pre-sale and coincidentally it comes out on my mother's birthday. So it'll be live in uh, September 6th. And uh, what a coincidence, right? There are no coincidences in life. This is my, I am just really passionate about this work. And I look forward to, to the women who this work speaks to coming into my field because it's just been life-changing. Yeah. And you've really allowed things to birth as they are and not push too much. And I think that it's such a great way to be. And I think it's just going to be perfect. And anybody that gets to be served your medicine is going to, it's going to change their life. So uh, thank you. And thank you for your patience and talking mother tongue with me, you know, even like like the book King warrior magician lover says, it's like, we're all healing from we, we are the society, you know, and having to, you know, and really understanding what the feminine means in my own life and applying those aspects in my own life has really helped me, mm. you know, but the balance is so important. And, you know, I'm just so grateful to have friends like yourself who I can have these conversations with because I learned so much. You know, the reason I try and break things down because it's like, I want to learn too. <laughs> it's like, yeah. you know, some of the vocab, I know people are like, what is that? And I just think it's so important so that everybody can kind of understand the concepts. And once you understand the basic concepts, it can, it can make it easier. And I think 
I think the way you've done that and the way you're doing it is awesome. So yeah, thank you so much. And if you guys haven't checked out Wine and Melody's episode of University of Adversity, make sure you do. Did you say it's on the website, your website as well? It's on my website. Yeah. com. You can go to my podcast section and scroll down and our website, our podcast is up on the website as well. Yeah. That was a while ago. I think we both. Exactly. And <laughs> we will do another one. I'll have you back on the show again um, when it comes to your book launch and we'll, we'll revisit all this. And again, thank you so much. You guys make sure to go check out Melanie. Appreciate you so much. Thank you, Lance. I love you. We'll see you again. Love you. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everyone.